Shankly Kids. I heard a calling. Hello and welcome to the Cop Table Podcast. I'm your host, Peter Phillips. Alongside me is my co-host tonight, Peter Collis. How are you doing, P? I'm good, mate. How are you? Very well, thanks. Enjoying listening to uh, Jan on his guitar there. Yeah, very <laughs> In our little build-up, yeah. Okay, on tonight's uh, show, we have two guests. On the Crystal Palace side of things, we have Jay Crane. Jay is the founder and editor of The Eagle's Beak and is also a regular on the EPL Roundtable. So, very warm welcome to the show once again, Jay. Hello, guys. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. On the Liverpool side of things tonight, we have Jan gorski Messia. Jan is an artist, musician, and is the host, writer, producer, and everything else to do with the Anfield Index podcast, Jumpers for Goalposts, which is uh, very interesting if uh, our listeners get a chance to tune into that one. So, very warm welcome to the show, Jan. Cheers, mate. Nice to be on. Excellent stuff. Okay, we're going to start off uh, with yourself, Jan, going back to Saturday's game versus um, West Bromwich Albion. Obviously, um, the games against Tony Pulis' side are usually notoriously a struggle and, and frustrating games, but looking back to Saturday's game, what, what did you make of, uh, of it yourself, Jan? I think the, fir- the hard work was all done in the first 30 minutes. We got two past them, which always meant it was going to be difficult for them to come back at us. They were going to have to. They they didn't really park the bus in the typical Pulis way. They sort of half parked it at an angle and played a bit more on the counter attack than they would you'd normally expect from a a Pulis team. But otherwise, it was very Pulis, long ball up over the top, chasing leg after it, that kind of thing. But yeah, I mean, we we could have scored a few more goals. It would have been nice if we did. We certainly had the chances. We didn't necessarily put the finishes on it. We played some stunningly good football, again, which is lovely to see. Despite the commentators sort of winding up the ante, I didn't get nervous in the last 10 minutes after they got one back. I'm glad you didn't, Jan, because I did feel slightly nervous personally. I just thought they got that one goal and I just thought, oh, no, not again, they're going to come back and with, with a late goal. I don't know about you, P. Obviously, you was in the stadium. What, what, was the, um, what was the feeling in the ground? I think it's just typical Liverpool, the feeling of previous seasons where we can just concede one and the next thing we concede another we, we can be completely in control of a game 2-0 up and in the space of 10 minutes it can be 2-all and I'm sure Jay will remember when Liverpool went to Palace a few seasons ago and we were coasting and then all of a sudden it was 3-all and I just think that's that's but it's, it's the thing on this though Pete that was in the past that was under the bluffer with Klopp, it, it's not the same game anymore. It's Obviously, there's going to be games when somebody might well come back at us, but I don't feel it's nailed on the way he used to. I agree with you there, but I think also even last season under Klopp, it happened too many times. Yeah, but the, the, the players were still half in a Brendan mindset then, where this season, they look a different outfit altogether. Oh, yeah, I agree, but I just, I just think we haven't really been... This season, we haven't really been in that situation where we've been coasting and conceded a goal, have we? So you're still going to have... Yeah, yeah. Still it's, have it, it, it's more a fan thing than a team thing, I think. Mm. Oh, yeah, I agree. I Understandable, think but, you know... I think sometimes the team feel that as well. I think at times, with five minutes to go... It does yeah, transmit from from the crowd to, yeah. over to the players, doesn't it? I mean, can, yeah. to be honest, like after they did score that goal, they didn't really put the pressure on which which they could have done. And uh, Liverpool still had a, a couple of chances after West Brom yeah, exactly. Albion had scored. Like so. We did, didn't it? Yeah, yes. they would. 
And you seen Klopp um, after they'd scored their goal, he, he was putting his arms down, wasn't he? Telling the, the lads to calm down, as if to say, "Look, was, yeah. we've we've got this in the bag. Just just relax. Just just don't do anything stupid. Basically, just play your football. Yeah, just yeah, keep the exactly, ball. And, yeah. That's oh, it. I think I think that did help us as well on Saturday. Though that when they when well, when we did concede and they pulled the goal back, we did carry on attacking because I think in previous years Liverpool have, as Jan said, under under Rodgers. Liverpool would have tried to see that game out by defending and yeah, drop deeper and deeper. When, when and we'd have dropped deeper and deeper, made made yeah. it possible for people to lob in long balls. We'd have ended up in the Annie Road end because yes. <laughs> previous years Liverpool we'd have ended have, up in Stanley Bloody Park. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Liverpool have when Liverpool in previous years have tried to see out a win, it never happens. Liverpool Liverpool's never been set up in previous years to do that. See out a two one and. It was quite nice that we did keep on attacking and I think that played in West Brom's mind that if we do go for it too much, Liverpool will score a third and it's game over. So, Yeah, that's quite possible. You know what impresses me though, Pete, is that uh, at the moment we've got a new keeper, we've got a new centre-back, we've got a reconditioned left-back, so there's only Klein and Lovren in, their usual, in, in the same positions as last year, as it were. Oh, yeah. And yet we've got the third best defence in the league after Spuds and Arsenal. Yeah. I I agree. I, I think Liverpool Liverpool's first two games, yeah, we conceded five goals, but since then have we only conceded six goals? Yeah. Six goals and is it eight or nine games? So I yeah. think when Liverpool say well I think when the pundits say Liverpool defensively weak, it's wrong because Well, it, it's a mindset that they've got into because that's what we were, but it's not necessarily what we are anymore. No, and of course this setup, this sort of almost ad hoc setup, has only been together since August. And yet yeah. they look pretty comfortable already and they're only going to get better. As I touched on the other week, as I said as well, though, you can go on saying, oh, this season we've pulled offensively our, our record of conceding goals. But look who we've played. We've played Chelsea away, Spurs exactly. away, Arsenal away. Uh, exactly. United at home, Leicester at home, last season's champions. So I don't think he, you look at our defensive record and you, you put it against the sides we've played. It's nothing to be ashamed about our record. Well, considering uh, we've beaten them, definitely not. Of course, yeah. But I was just going to touch on as well, do you know what I thought was it was refreshing and nice to see? And I know Klopp likes to do it, but he's continuing to do it. That when we went two one down, he brought Divock Origi on a striker yeah. to try and to, to try and keep them stretched and keep basically give him another give him another problem to think exactly about. Another thing yeah. to think about knowing that Divock Origi's got pace, he's willing to run, he'll drag the centre halves, and it got quite a shot on him as well. Exactly, yeah. So it was um, as you say. I I think of course you're going to be nervous. To, because you don't, I, th- I think the, more of the reason why we were nervous on Saturday was because we were joint top and you didn't want to throw that chance away to. Yeah, I think points. that's a good point. Yeah, and I think I think that's what made people a lot more nervous. I think, say for example, if it was to go fourth or fifth, yeah, the nerves, the well, I, I must admit, I kept reminding myself while watching it that uh, you don't get anything for being top in October. Exactly. <laughs> so I, I stopped worrying once I put that back in my head. I thought, no, it, don't be silly. Well, a good a good point my dad said to me after the game when I rang him and I said I was a bit I said oh, I'm a bit gutted that we we didn't score three or four and went top. And as my dad said, with Liverpool at the moment, you don't want us to be top. You want us to just be in the shadows slightly. He has everyone. a fair point. Tactically, mm. it's not a bad idea, yeah. Because you look at City, three weeks ago people were saying, Can City go the season unbeaten? And look at them now, they haven't won in the last five. <laughs> oh, it's good, isn't I it? Think, <laughs> I think the pressure, the pressure can get to you, can't it? And yeah. It's good for us to sit in and, in and around there, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Just just take a little back seat and it, it 
you don't want with Liverpool at the moment. You don't want no pressure on us, do you? You just want us to be going about our business. Well, I, I don't think any of us want us to be favourites or anything no, like that. I mean, not. in the last few weeks, we've heard a lot of the pundits saying things about, well, could Liverpool win the championship? There's been a few saying, well, yeah, they could because they've got no Europe and you know whatever. Yeah. But they don't sound convinced, and I'm quite happy about that. You know, you, you, you spend all your time looking at Conte at Chelsea and Mourinho's uh, fun and games at United and Guardiola not being quite God at uh, City and uh, Wenger's rejuvenated to a degree Arsenal and leave us alone and we'll be quite happy. <laughs> Excellent stuff. OK, we're going to move over to um, to Jay now. OK, Jay, after reading um, the match report on Crystal Palace from um, from your website, actually the Eagles Beak, by the sounds of it, Crystal Palace with with better finishing could have returned home from that game with with at least um, with at least a point. Is is that something that you'd agree with? Yeah, very much so. We we went to the, well the champions. It still seems odd calling Leicester champions, but you know, uh, fair play to them. I even spoke to a Leicester fan who still finds it hard to believe. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> um, they're, they're in dream world, aren't they? They really are, and uh, it, it, it was difficult to know what we were going to get from Liverpool. Uh, sorry, from Leicester because. You know, we lost the previous game at home to West Ham on a on a on a torrid night, absolutely torrid night. Both the weather and the way we played was absolutely atrocious. Mm. Um, so we're hoping for a bit more against Leicester away from home. We have a bit more freedom. You know, the way we play our game and the, and the players we've got. Um, but we sorely missed Scott, Dan, and, and Jason Punch, and really did. But having said that, we were better in the first half. Uh, went into half time one nil down, which was a real sucker punch for us. Um, and then we had we had more chances on goal than them. Just our finishing was uh, wasn't great, and also um, we made mistakes at the back, which allowed them to to score their goals. So it's a combination of two things which you <laughs> which you need better from um, to to win games. So performance wise and, and chance creating chances, there's not a problem there. It's just um, just didn't just didn't work for us on Saturday, uh, unfortunately at all. And we didn't really have enough um, in. in really on the bench to give us give us an impetus um you know to to try and get back into the game um we kind of got one back late on and we had chances straight after that bit that it was too you know too little too late really just also uh, reading on onto the same piece Jay um Palace's uh, defending let them down didn't he? obviously you mentioned Scott Dan yeah. in particular he was a big miss yeah. and and Jason Punch missed the game but one um one player who left Crystal Palace is Dwight Gale. Do you think that was a mistake to let him go? Because obviously he's he's a game changer, isn't he? He can come on. He's a, he's a little live wire. He knows where the goal is. And do you think that was a mistake to let him go? A difficult one because he was always going to score goals in the championship. There's no doubt about that. Mm. I mean, there was a game for Newcastle the other week where he scored his hat trick. And I think he himself had about 12 chances in that goal and only scored three three goals. <laughs> um and I think that sums him up really. He is a goal poacher. He's a he's a natural goal scorer, but he didn't fit into our formation. He couldn't play the lone striker role, which is the formation we we favour, uh, which is why we've got Benteke up front and, and why we had Wickham before that. Good option off the bench, perhaps, yeah, but he didn't do it enough last season, uh, and that's ultimately why he left. He had something to prove last season to Pardew, um, and it just didn't work out. It would have been nice to have him at the club, but I don't think we'd have been able to keep him just sitting on the bench. I mean, this is a problem with a team like Palace, is that you know you can fill your first team with, with excellent players, such as Kabai and um, Zaha and, and, and Townsend, players like that, but you're not going to get many players that are going to want to come and sit on Palace's bench um, you know I'm not insulting my own team here it's just a fact you know you're going to have players which will which will 
be relatively happy or at least fight for a place on the bench you know at teams like yourselves Liverpool United City um, and, and collect their paychecks but um, that's not the same scenario at Palace and, and that's where we seem to struggle with um, you know options from the bench but um yeah, I in hindsight, yes, I know a lot of Palace fans that are out there saying seeing Dwight Gale scoring the goals in the Championship, but the Championship is a different kettle of fish completely. I'll be interested to see when Newcastle come up because I think it's more of a case of when than if and um, mm. how he fares in in the Premier League in a in a in a structure that suits him. And I've no doubt that he will he will score goals as he has done for us um, on occasions, but um, not really in the formation that we currently play, unfortunately. Yeah, and another um, situation with, with Crystal Palace similar to Liverpool is um, is your left back situation, isn't it? You've got um, a right footed yeah. player in Martin Kelly playing at at left back, where Liverpool's got James Milner, obviously in, in the same situation. Um, is Suarez mm. is he is he being really missed in that Palace team? Very much so, yeah. He he really is, and it, it, I mean it was a sudden thing. I mean it was it was if you, if you know the story, he was um, uh, in a car accident on a motorway and he, he broke his hip, uh, leg, and, and jaw. So he is he, he was in a bad bad way, but he's going to recover. That's a good thing. He's going to come back to uh, to full fitness. But when that will be, we're not sure. It'll probably be towards the latter end of the season, which is which is a real kick for us, really, because that's a position where without Suarez we've struggled to. Uh, to fill that gap with a natural left-footed player. And Kelly isn't that player. He's, he's looked okay when he's come in at right-back instead of Joel Ward, and we've switched Joel Ward over. But I think there's you kind of want to keep players in their natural positions, and that's where Kelly is kind of the square peg in a round hole, as, as it were. He He's not comfortable playing there. We do have a left-sided fullback who is coming through in the shape of Zeki Fryers, but really he's not premiership quality. He's been at the club for a couple of years now. He's been at, he's been at United and he's been at Spurs. And not I was really going to say, was he at Tottenham? Yeah, I remember him, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 yeah he, he's, he's had a few personal issues and, it, and it's great to see him come back from those and, and be on the fringes. Um, and he came on as a substitute against Sunderland and the first thing he did was whipping a great cross um, for us to score uh, one of our goals to get back into that game, which was fantastic. Um, but defensive-wise, um, maybe in time, perhaps, maybe in time. I'd love to see it see it work. But um, for me, I think we keep playing Kelly because he's got more experience, even though he can't play as a left-back, uh, which is unfortunate. He keeps getting caught out um, because he's clearly right-footed and, and any player in that position would. So that that is a problem for us, it really is. And the fact that we've missed Scott Dan at the same time as well in, in, in the central role um, is really hindering us at the moment. Excellent. Cheers, Jay. Go on, P. Right then, Jan. Uh, with Jürgen Klopp having one eye on Saturday's game against Palace, can you see him making many changes tomorrow night? And if so, who would you like to come in? I don't think he'll make that many changes because you know we don't have any Europe. We're not being... We're not playing two or three games a week like we were last season when it got a bit mad. He may make a few. Uh, I suppose Tottenham will because they've got uh, quite a few commitments. I suppose Origi is an obvious one to come in. Maybe Moreno, uh, give Milner a rest if Milner wants a rest. Lucas possibly in the middle for Hendo. I wouldn't expect too much. Maybe Kevin Stewart. And maybe get Woodburn and Ajaria on the bench. But I, I, I wouldn't expect too many changes. Oh, Mi- no. Mignolet may be in goal, but I think he's enjoying leaving Carrius in goal for the moment to get as much experience with the back four as possible. Yeah, well, he confirmed today that Mignolet will 100% start tomorrow, so he is... Ah, there you go. ...between the sticks, yeah. Would you like to see Marco Grujic get some game time? I would. When, uh, just before the news broke uh, in the UK, I heard we were getting him a few weeks earlier than that, and a couple of 
Serbian type friends, you know, Serbian Reds, sent yeah. me a load of stuff on uh, Grujic, including whole games, you know, to to watch on the computer with him playing. And I was very impressed. I have to admit, I thought, oh, this boy can do a bit of everything. And uh, I've also been watching him for the under twenty threes, and he's been very impressive in that too. I think Grujic's real input is going to come later in the season, maybe even next season. But uh, he will be eased in bit by bit, and he's definitely got a few, uh, really good future with us. He's a bit of a monster, really. Yeah, completely agree. Looks um, like we've got a good player in our hands with Grujic. Yeah. Looks very good. Grujic. Grujic. Grujic, sorry. That's uh, my pronunciation, not very good. Would you... it's, it's, it's a thing that drives my missus, who's a linguist and a lawyer. It drives her mad, the bad pronunciation of football players, especially commentators who keep saying Firmino. <laughs> I know it's just for me now, isn't it? Yes, it is. Tell to listen to me then. Unless there's an H after the N, it's not a no. <laughs> exactly. Okay, yeah. Staying with yourself, Jan. Just like to ask you about uh, Joel Matip and Dejan Lovren. Seems to us like the the form and a good partnership and a, and a good understanding. They are. And they um, are. Exactly, yeah, yeah, taking taking on a um, growing influence in, into the Liverpool team is that is that something that you'd agree with? Definitely, I think they're they're forming a really good partnership. Uh, I don't know if any of you guys watch the under twenty threes, but uh, watching Sacco and Ilori together in that, they're forming a nice little partnership too. So we've got backup all the way down the line, and of course, there's also Clavan in there when needed as well. But yeah, as I was, uh, as I told you before we kicked off the pod, you know, being born German, I do keep my eye on the Bundesliga, and I've been a big fan of Matip for a while. So when I heard we were getting him for bugger all. Oh, I was well pleased. But he's a cool customer. Um, Once he's bedded in properly, he likes to do the Hansen thing and bring the ball out and forward, even as far as the edge of the box. No, uh, he'll he'll do that once we're all properly set up and settled. And he's got he's got great pair of feet on him. Can play with both feet. He can pass a ball. He can cross. He can shoot if you give him a chance. I'm just slightly annoyed he hasn't actually got a goal yet from a corner because he's also pretty good at that too. So I I think, uh, but him and Lovren, my missus is always saying how Lovren is a a confidence player. Uh, And I think there's some truth in that. Certainly, whatever Klopp's asked him to do is different from what Rodgers asked him to do because he seems a lot more comfortable with it and his game is far more simple. He keeps it simple. He doesn't try and do silly things like dribble on the touchline anymore anything like that and he's got somebody playing against him or you know in in sort of uh as his partner like Matip who he has trust in and so it's working for them which is really nice uh they'll no, they'll develop an understanding with Carius as well and uh I think that we have the makings of what could be a very solid defense for the next few years and great backup behind it which is even better yeah, just a quick one, Jan, when you touched yeah. on Lovren there. I remember last season, well, I remember when Rodgers signed uh, Dayan Lovren and he, he was talking about him being this leader and I think he had in his mind, he wanted him to be a kind of Jamie Carragher centre-half who was vocal and organised. Completely, mi- completely uh, misjudged him on yeah, that basis. And I'll, I'll never forget when, last season, when we got turned over by West, uh, West Ham at home for 3-0 and Lovren had, it, it was probably the worst centre-half performance I've ever seen from a player. And after the game, Slavon Bilic came out and defended him and said, I was his national team manager. He is never a leader. He's a player who's got to concentrate on his own game and not worry about others. And it seems yeah. that what you said then, when Klopp's come in, he's basically gone to him, 
you're the yeah. centre half. Concentrate on your own game. Stick to your basics. Exactly. And, and, and he, he like has to have a partner he can trust. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, for both for moral and physical support. Uh, but they, they do. They seem to know where each other are all the time. Have you noticed when they pass it around at the back when we're coming out there, doing it an awful lot quicker between them than uh, that we were last season at the same time? Well, yeah. we might go sideways and sideways and sideways several times before moving forward. Now it's one, two, one, two, forward. It's yeah. it's very very rarely is it more than that, and there's always one of them moving slightly forward than the other. Yeah, keeping an eye on where the other one is. So it seems to be working very, very well at the moment. And uh, there's been lots of people I've been reading on Twitter today saying, oh, we need to buy Sule, we need to buy Tar. I mean, we might get another one in. That's that's perfectly possible. But for the moment, I'm quite happy to see how this lot develop. Yeah. You know, we're, we're only nine games into a season. We don't want to start looking to make bloody changes yet. Let's yeah. see where we go first. Yeah. Right then, Jay, uh, over to the Palace side of things. Um what are your expectations this season for Palace? And could you see us mounted another little cup run? It'd be nice. Yeah. <laughs> after <laughs> after the failure in the final last year. But to be fair, I mean, that cut run was highly unexpected with the way that our season form was going. Um, well, the start of this year, even. It was a um, terrible second half of the season. And yeah, the cut run was great. Probably helped us um, survive in the Premier League this season. Actually gave us a little bit of impetus because we were beating Premier League teams in the cup, um, but just not beating them in the Premier League, oddly enough. But yeah, I mean, it, the season culminated. We, you know, we stayed up, obviously, and we went to the cup final. And unfortunately, on in extra time, lost the game. But fantastic event. Amazing atmosphere. It's, it's what Palace fans seem to do, and um, re- really good. Uh, I, even though we lost, some some fans don't like to think about it, but I, you know, look back fondly actually. Even though we did lose um, for this season, I think with the signings we made in the summer, we should be looking at a top ten finish. Really, um, it's not really started too well. We, we kind of been inconsistent. We started off with a couple of losses, and then um, went on a run of five unbeaten games, uh, and now we find ourselves back in uh, uh, losing two games in a row. So um, it seems to be the Pardew way in in in, in terms of how how form seems to go for for his teams but um you know with, with adding Benteke to our side really gives us I mean he's a big improvement on on Connor Wickham up front as, as the lone striker um also adding Andros Townsend and I think for me the biggest difference for us um has kind of gone under the radar a little bit is Steve Mandanda yeah. the French keeper who's come in um for an absolute steal um I know that a lot of European clubs are after him, including a couple of uh, Premier League clubs, and, and and we managed to get him across the line for a very minimal fee uh, from Marseille. He was at Marseille for about ten years, I think it was, and for the majority of that, he was he was the captain. And from the day he replaced Hennessy in the side, he you could know you noticed an improvement in the back line because last season with Hennessy, the, the back line just weren't comfortable with Hennessy behind them as the season progressed, and he had made a few mistakes and. and t- to be fair, he did make a, you know several good saves during the season, but it's some mistakes you remember, and it's mistakes that keepers live or die by. So, adding Mandanda to the side has given our back line a huge amount of confidence, and he's so confident on the ball. He's he's such a ball player, and we noticed. I mean, it's going to happen a few more times, you know, during the season. I know that because if you've got a ball playing keeper um, in the first minute against Leicester at the weekend, he 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 kicked the ball straight out to Okazaki who luckily didn't score from it straight away but um, I, I guess we're going to have to expect that from uh, from him during during the course season. but the majority wise his distribution is brilliant he seems to be a loud keeper knows what he wants from his bat line um, and berates them as keepers should do so I think for us he's going to be a huge difference um, and I'm hoping that with those signers we've made a top 10 finish is, 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 is possible for us Are you a Pardew fan Jay? Because I know 
last season when you did it, it sorry, when you did it, that rough patch that yeah. there was a lot of Palace fans calling for his head. And he is one of those managers, Pardew, who he'll go through a good a good patch of form and then all of a sudden when he hits a bad patch, it's really bad, isn't it? It is, it is, yeah. And that second half of last season was atrocious in the Premier League, it really was. And and we pretty much stayed up because of our early season was fantastic. I mean, we were pushing third, fourth place in the Premier League early on. Um, and we were you know, beating everybody we were coming up against, which which was great to watch. But the second half, it, I just can't pinpoint it because it wasn't as if we were playing that badly. We just couldn't get results. You know, we weren't, we weren't getting soundly beaten each week. It was just we couldn't get anything um, from any games at all. And it just kind of spiralled from one game to the next. And um, yeah, you're right. Pardew has had the very same effect at different clubs and has gone on long losing runs. It seems to be one way or the other with Pardew. And last season was a clear case of that. I know there's a lot of fans that wanted him out at the end of the season because of that second half. Even though we got to the cup final, um, perhaps that gave him a little bit, you know, a bit of a saving grace uh, to, to give him a start of the season. But for me, I... I don't, I, I, I don't mind him, and you know, end of the day, he, he's, he's the manager, and the players have to do a job on the pitch. And sometimes the players don't, don't kind of do that um, as, as well as you would expect. But you know, there's two sides to it. I, I think there's a lot of Palace fans actually out there that actually want, want him changed even now after you know this kind of mixed start to the season for us. But for me. Yeah, I, he, he's made his signings in the summer. I want us to see see where he takes us from here. I, I want him to have the chance to go on and, and, and see how he moulds his team from here. He has said it's a it's a team in transition this season, um, so I expect more signings in in you know in, in January. Um, I'm just hoping we can see some improvement as the season goes on. Te- I, I always find Pardew to be a, a manager with something of a shelf life. I can't think of it. He's had a long career. But he's yeah. never had what you'd call a, a couple of seasons worth of sustained success. Yeah, wherever yeah. he's been, you know, and, uh, which I think is an issue for him. He's he's a little bit of an old school British manager. Mm. Anyway, the thing I wanted to mention uh, to you was mm. Mandanda. I what you know, French keeper. Watched him in France here last last year. I, I yeah. think you've got a good one there. But uh, he's also been responsible for giving me one of the best laughs I've, I've had so far this <laughs> season, which was um, in between the games, Saturday, I had uh, on the computer, I had Sky Sports, you know, the rolling thing with the, um, yeah. Jeff Stelling and that lot. <laughs> and uh, Merson called him uh, Mandandalandala, which, Man. <laughs> which just that. had Phil Thompson wetting himself. <laughs> Isn't isn't that Paul Mercer though? Because he's never been able to say Julian Sproni either. No, it was Paul Mercer. That's <laughs> yeah. what he's like. He yeah. struggled on Saturday, didn't he, with the uh, Slamani from yeah, Leicester? Salami. <laughs> he's, he's salami. He's as thick as mince, isn't he? He really, oh, he is. really is. Yeah, salami. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> salami. <laughs> oh. Yeah, just staying on the topic of. Um, Alan Pardew with you, with yourself, Jay. Once again, um, yeah. I think it was last week. He, he was linked with the England job, wasn't he? And he, he said, oh, um, he said, <laughs> to be honest, he said, why would he want to leave Crystal Palace uh, at the moment? But in your opinion, if, if he did get that offered the England job, well, could he really? Could you really see him turning that down? Do you know what? I don't see him as an England manager. I, I, I don't see him fitting into. Well, mind you, I guess I didn't see um, Allardyce fitting into the part of the FA's um, he didn't, as it turns out. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, yeah, I think if he if he got the call, he would go. I don't think he'd turn it down because you know how often w- would you get offered that job? Yeah, if you turn it down once, you're unlikely to get it offered again. Um, I, I think he's got unfinished business at Palace. He's building something at the moment. 
Um, he's come in, to be fair, he did inherit a squad of players which still do have a lot of hangers on. Um, we have a bench of players which perhaps aren't primarily quality and he does need to address that. But I think fans don't realise it takes time to, to sort out squad, a squad of players. And he's made the right adjustments this summer. Um, perhaps hasn't ad- um, addressed our need for full fullback cut, as it's turned out, you know, with Suarez's uh, accident, you know, that, that couldn't have been foreseen anyway. So uh, we, we're a bit short in that. But I, I think it takes time. I really do. Uh, it's not it's not easy to it's not as easy as some people think to sign players like it no. is on football as it is right, championship yeah. manager. Um, people seem to think it's just click your fingers and you can sign a player. It really isn't like that. Um, and January is obviously one of the probably one of the worst times for clubs really in, in in that respect because you know the longer January goes on towards the end of the month, it's even harder because you're trying to do deals and you know inflated fees and stuff like that. So um, yeah, I'll stop defending I'll stop defending clubs and and, and transfers and stuff. But, um, well, to be, yeah, to, be I, fair, to be fair, though, there, Jay, uh, you, I mean, you're spot on because, I mean, Liverpool, we, uh, we like to think that we have some of the most knowledgeable fans in the game. And <laughs> since Twitter, that's been proved complete hogwash. Oh, uh, <laughs> but uh, the number of times every transfer window, and I, you know, tell them it's, it's not like going into a shop and buying a pack of fags. But it really isn't. It's not a computer game. You know, you're dealing with human beings, their families, their desires, their wishes. To, no, whether they want to move country or not, never mind anything else. Exactly, exactly right. It's and just, I, it's just yeah. not so. You no, know, oh, there we go. We'll just buy in then. Who's twenty? That twenty million we can afford. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily work like that. Well, it does on Championship Manager. <laughs> well, that's the problem, yeah. It is. That, that is the biggest problem, is expectation of fans is a little bit um, a little bit uh, wrong in, in, in that respect. And, it, and like I say, it's the same for trying to get rid of players from your club. If you've got players that aren't featuring in your, in your team or your squad on a regular basis, who's going to want to buy them? You know, you've yeah. got a player on a four-year contract who, you know, players just say, you know, you should play for our club again, get rid of him. But it's not as easy as that. You're not going to cancel his contract to a player and lose money. You're going to try and want to sell him or, or, or you know, he's going to try and see out his contract. It's, you know, sometimes there are ludicrous statements on social media in terms of how, how quickly people perceive building a squad or, or changing a squad should be. And it's just not like Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Absolutely right. Excellent stuff, lads. Okay, what we're going to do now is uh, head over to our quiz part of the show. Five questions oh, <laughs> yeah. Jay, how did you get on on the, the quiz last year? Can you remember? Appallingly, if I remember it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, right, okay then. First question for yourself, uh, Jay. In the Premier League last season, who scored the most goals for Crystal Palace from Yannick Balassi, Wilfred Zaha or Dwight Gale? Well, that's tight. It's not much in it, but I think it's probably Dwight Gale. You'd be correct to say Dwight Gale, yes. Yeah? Seven goals, Yannick Balassi six, and uh, Zahar five. One zero. Right then, Jan, similar question. Well, go on then. Last season for Liverpool, who scored the most Premier League goals out of Danny Ings, James Milner, or Adam Lallana? Lallana. It's James Milner. I thought it was Milner. Yeah, <laughs> Milner four. That's tough. Lola, That's sorry, Milner five. Lalana four. Danny Ings two. Yeah, well, Ings didn't play that much, did he, poor bugger? No. Right. Okay. Second question for Jay. From which club did Crystal Palace sign striker Bakary Sacco from? Wolverhampton Wanderers. That's the correct answer. That's two to Jay. Go on, Pete. Right there. 
Right then, which club did Liverpool sign Joe Gomez from? Charlton Athletic. Good answer. Yep, that's 2-1. Third question for you, Jay. Which international team does Crystal Palace fullback Papa Suare represent? Senegal. You're doing much better at the quiz this year, Jay. That's three out of three. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get one wrong, you bugger. <laughs> <laughs> right then, Jan. Similar yeah. question. Which international side does Alex Manninger represent? Austria. Good answer. Three two. We staying on his tail. Yes. Right. Fourth question for you, Jay. Who made the most Premier League appearances? For Crystal Palace last season from Jason Punchin, Joel Ward, or Scott Dan. Oh dear. I know which one I think it is. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's Joel Ward. No, he was uh, he'd made the least out of three. Oh. He was on thirty, Jason Punchin's thirty one. It it's Scott Dan. It's Scott oh. the Dan. I would have got that right. With 35. <laughs> Joe, well, I think Joel Ward was the, the season before. I just, As I said, it, I, he had an injury last season. So, yeah. Damn. Right then, oh, yeah. Pressure. Time for me to put it up, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll do the pale penalty, yeah. <laughs> Who made the most Premier League appearances last season from Jordan Emerson, Mamadou Sacco, or Dayan Lovren? Dayan Lovren. Good answer. He's levelled it. Hey! <laughs> you know what's got to happen, don't you? Like and every weekend, I never get a tiebreaker question ready. It's going to be a draw. <laughs> <laughs> they do me every time. These guests, right? It'll be like Carlisle. <laughs> <laughs> right. Fifth question for you, Jay. This season, who has made the most substitute appearances for Crystal Palace from Zeki Fryers, Lee Chung, Lee Chong Dung, or Johan Kabai? Lee Chang Young. It's the correct answer with six, yeah. Kabai four, Zeki Fries with three. Right then, Jan. Go Jan on. This is where I bolted up. Go on. Who has made most substitute appearance season from M.H. Chan, Divock Origi, or Kev Stewart? Divock Origi. It's a good answer. It's a very yes. good answer. And he hasn't prepared the tiebreak. <laughs> exactly. So I, I'm scrolling around now on Google trying to find out some uh, some quiz questions that I usually do. Right. Take mine about 30 or 40 years old. <laughs> <laughs> right, here we go. It's a bit of a tough question, but we'll see how we get on with it. Right. Obviously, with it being a tiebreaker, we'll say, obviously, come in with your name. And Peter, you're going to have to be the, the referee on that to see who cool. goes first. Who is the only player to have scored in the Merseyside, Manchester and Glasgow derbies? Ooh, uh, I know this and I've forgotten it. Oh, Christ. <laughs> uh, I'm struggling. Do you want to have a guess? It's, the, it's, whoever, it's whoever it was played for Manchester City. I'm pretty sure of that. Give it a little clue. He never represented Manchester City. All oh, right, played for United. <laughs> so who played for United, Everton, and one of the... I know this, I think of them anyway. You're refereeing, Pete, stay out of it. If, I, you, don't I, know, if you don't know what I, I, I've got one name, go on. Go on, Jay. I'm, I'm not 100% certain. I, I actually can't think of him playing for a Glasgow team either, but um, Peter Beardsley. It's not no, Peter no. Beardsley. So uh, the why. next opportunity right. is for Jan. 
I'll have, I'll have a stump. It's thinking of, yeah, I can think of plenty now. It's just the Glasgow connection I've got to yeah, yeah. work on. Oof. I've played for United. That's the bizarre part. Roy Keane. No. What am I no. thinking about? Let's have a go, P. No, no. Um, what we're going to do, I'm going to give them a little clue. No, go on to the next question. Uh, yeah, go to the next question. Go on, P. I, I think I know who it is. Go on. Is it Andrei Kinchelskis? It is Andrei Kinchelskis. Oh, yeah, we'd have been there all day yeah. waiting for that one. <laughs> yeah. Unless you'd have said the Russian mafia threatened uh, <laughs> Ferguson, then I'd have gone, ah! Right, OK then, another question. Who was the first goalkeeper to score in the Premier League? In the Premier League? Yeah. Oh. Well, while stabbing the dark, Chris Woods. No, it's not Chris Woods. You'll kick yourselves if you, uh, if you don't get this. I'm going to go Schmeichel. Jay, you're on the money there, pal. Well done, lad. Dance well done. Peter well Schmeichel, done. I think it was a header, wasn't it? I yes, think it was. was. Yeah. 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 I was thinking didn't of them from the kicks, you see. Didn't he score like three? <laughs> three goals in the Prem, Schmeichel. Yeah, yeah. then. Yeah. He scored, he scored one at Goodison Park. It was the it's other the one who, um, come... oh yeah, Tim Howard scored, didn't he, from... Um... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, 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 so is Begovic and a few others have, have yeah, done yeah. as well. First one, I, first one I ever remember seeing was Pat Jennings when he was playing for Spurs, and that's a long time ago. And that was against United. Do you ever remember years ago when, um, was it for Carlisle to stay in the Football League? Yeah, the yeah. goalkeeper scored. Jimmy, Jimmy, Glass. Jimmy Glass, yeah. yeah Jimmy, Jimmy Glass, Glass yeah. scored the last kick of the game, didn't he, to keep them up? Glass yeah, acting. he played for Glass Palace. Acting. Yeah, he played for Palace in his youth. Did he? Yeah, yeah. remember that well, yeah. yeah. Excellent stuff. Yeah. Okay, well done, Jay. I'm taking the quiz there. Um, but just before we end the show, what we do is we play um, an unsigned band or an unsigned artist. And this week, um, a band called The Time Sellers from the Sheffield area have been in touch with us and asked us, would, the, would we play their song on the podcast? So um, we've duly obliged and they've sent me a very long... Um, Biography about themselves, but it's uh, it's an interesting one. So so I'll read um, I'll read the whole whole of it out before I play the track. Okay, the time sellers. The time sellers are three lifelong friends and a long lost drummer they found on Instagram. They are bursting out of the Chesterfield council estates they were born and raised on. They are ramming their observational indie punk rock down the throats of an unexpecting generation. Led by 18-year-old singer and lyricist Jimmy Bull, their reflections on the challenges of growing up in a tough town, accompanied by hard-hitting riffs and infectious melodies, they are striking a chord with a youth movement that finds it impossible to relate to the manufactured pop shite of the X Factor generation. <laughs> With nothing more than borrowed gear and attitude, the time sellers are becoming one of the most exciting unsigned bands of the nor- in the north of England. Guerrilla gigs are often announced only hours before the band appear, and if you get in, you will find nothing short of a baying mob hanging on every word and note and going for it. They, are, they aren't watching the band. They are the band... They are with the band and will be on every step of the journey. Defying the conventional, this is a band determined to do things their own way. So the song I'm going to play for you tonight is called Hat and the Crown by The Time Sellers. 
that was Hat and the Crown by the Time Sellers. Thanks very much, Jan, and thanks very much, Jay, for joining us on the podcast tonight, lads. Very welcome, mate. Pleasure. Thanks for having me, guys. Excellent stuff. Thanks very much. So that's the cop table preview of the Crystal Palace game at Selhurst Park on Saturday. All done. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Good night. Songs to sing of the glory.